1: You're listening to New Books in Geography, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. I'm your host for today, Stentor Danielson, from the Department of Geography, Geology, and the Environment at Slippery Rock University. Today, I'll be talking to Lorna Down and Therese Ferguson, authors of Education for Sustainable Development in the Caribbean, Pedagogy, Processes, and Practices, published this year by University of the West Indies Press. Dr. Down and Dr. Ferguson, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Happy to be here.
1: Okay, so to start off, why don't you each tell our listeners a bit about your background and how you came to write this book?
2: Okay, I'll begin. I'm a former senior lecturer at the University of the West Indies, Mona, in the School of Education. My areas of specialization were literature, teacher education, and education for sustainable development. And one of the reasons that led me to work with Therese uh, to produce this book is because of teachers express need for clarification about education for sustainable development. And um, they wanted to know more about the teaching and learning approaches. So that was one of the reasons to help us explore and clarify what it means to have a sustainable society, and also how to educate our students to contribute to this kind of society. Yes, Therese, you may want to go ahead now, please. Uh Thank
0: you. So I'm Therese, and I am currently a senior lecturer in Education for Sustainable Development here at the School of Education at the University of the West Indies based at their Mona campus in Jamaica. I also act as coordinator of the ESD working group within the school, as well as coordinator of a recent MED degree program in ESD Global Citizenship and Peace. I'm also the program leader for Change From Within a school-based program here in Jamaica that looks at violence prevention and peace building in schools. And so my teaching, my research, my publications really focus on the area of ESD as well as associated areas such as climate change education and peace education. Now, Lorna and I have actually worked together on various projects in the past. So, you know, in addition to what she indicated about the teachers and teacher educators, we also both obviously realized that there are a number of sustainability issues in Jamaica, in the wider Caribbean Um climate change as one of those, just one example, that really necessitated a book of this type. Also, you know that there are a number of ESD texts, you know, from other parts of the world. We really wanted a locally contextualized book that spoke to ESD that could be used by those in the region, but also had applicability on the global scene
1: okay so to sort of get us into the the book i want to quote a little story that you tell in the first chapter so you say a boy plays truant he is farming his father's two acres the farm is doing well soon he is known as the best small farmer in the area as a result the boy does not want to return to school an aunt mindful of the importance of his education reports his truancy to the school so how can education for sustainable development respond to a situation like the one you laid out in that little story?
2: Okay, all right, I'll 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 begin. But one of the things we felt is that teachers needed to understand that particular situation of the boy in terms of education being relevant, education responding to students' needs, whether it's for work or for contributing to their, to their community. One of the things as well that I think sometimes teachers forget or we forget is how important the attitude of students is, you know, how important it is for teachers to pay attention to attitudes and values. And very often a young man like that would simply be kind of dismissed, not recognizing the attitude of resilience and building on that. My own work with the Earth Charter Center, which I'm doing presently, has allowed me to focus a lot on exploring attitudes and values. So one of the things in our book, and Ferris has been doing work in this area too, is that we try to have teachers recognize that a student's response to what's happening in the classroom is an indication for what is missing, for what the gaps are. And so we present an education for sustainable development as addressing such gaps.
0: And I think I would echo what Lorna has said, I think she she really summed it up quite nicely. Um, I would just echo and say that yes, we want an education that is relevant to the lives of students, that is relatable. Um, sometimes when students are in a classroom, they're they're indoors, they're surrounded by by books that may not be books that speak to their context or that have examples that they can say, yes, I understand this. Yes, this has happened to me. And so we, we want to, in a sense, move away from an education that might be divorced from students' realities and therefore not something that engages them and inspires them to one that does speak to the circumstances in their lives so that that is what moves them towards greater heights and to achievement um, in those areas that interest and inspire them, and that are meaningful for them.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned there the importance of values as part of this education, and that's kind of a, a running theme in a lot of the book. That education for sustainable development can't just be about, like you know, teaching factual content. That there's this values dimension. Uh, to it. So could you give us an example of how a teacher might go about trying to to teach some values that are relevant to sustainable development? How would they actually incorporate that into the classroom?
0: Okay, so within the book, one of our chapters is actually focused um, specifically, specifically on values because we, I believe we both feel that values are at the core of education for sustainable development. Um, when you think about sustainability, you're thinking about elements such as respect, um, tolerance, justice, these are the, the sorts of values that really underlie our relationship with the planet, our relationship with each other, and even how we see ourselves and relate to ourselves. In terms of how that can translate into the classroom, you know, there are a number of ways, um, one possible way. Israeli really engaging students in, in exercises, in reflection, in readings that help them to recognize their own values, um, to recognize the values that are operating within the wider society and the world, and to help them sort of clarify why is this meaningful um, to the global community? Why is this meaningful to me? How does this particular value orientation affect how I relate to um, the planet Earth? How does it affect how I relate to um, someone who is similar to me or someone who is different to me? So I think teachers translating um, and engaging students in those sorts of exercises in the classroom is critical. I think another aspect as well is through modeling. So no matter what level you're speaking to when it comes to education, whether it's um, primary, whether it's higher education, I think as teachers, we can model the sorts of values that we would love to see our students develop the sorts of values that are critical for a sustainability society a sustainable society so when we respect and listen to our students when we you know have tolerance for viewpoints that we might not agree with or encourage our students to have that tolerance and respect for viewpoints that we might not agree with. So that modeling as well is another way in which as teachers, we can engage in in that process of values in the
2: classroom. So those are just some examples. And I'd like to add that one of the things that the text actually shows is how the rich literature of the Caribbean explores issues of values and what it means to develop and explores the various contradictions about development um the caribbean is in it is actually grappling with ideas of development with conventional ideas of development and having to recognize the the actual limitations of the forms of development, the way development has impacted negatively our world. And at the same time, they are caught up with the models of development that are being promoted despite our knowledge of what's happening with the climate crisis, despite our knowledge of what's happening with loss of biodiversity, and so one of the things I think our teachers can use and we certainly explore this in the text is how the literature of the Caribbean which explores such issues can be brought into the classroom and actually studied so that they get so that students get to see and respond at both an emotional as well as an intellectual level so I think those are some of the ideas we have explored. There is a poem, for example, by Olive Senior, which talks about the impact of tourism on Caribbean identity, as well as the actual landscape and the natural environment of the Caribbean. And then there's that film that was made by Esther Figueroa, Fly Me to the Moon, which points us to the connection between the Caribbean and the wider world. You know, Caribbean aluminum has been used to, to, to make um, the flights to the moon possible. And so it, students are then able to see this, discuss it, and explore fully the various values that emerge in such settings. And as I just want to add to to what, I just want to emphasize something Therese says earlier. Our text looks at the importance of modeling, of how important it is for teachers as well to connect with students in ways that show respect and care, and also to model as well, what it means to live with care and respect for the natural environment, whether it's the school environment or the community en- environment. So, those are some of the ways in which we have explored the issue of values in the text.
1: Okay, and that actually makes a great segue into the next thing that I wanted to ask about, because you started. To uh, actually talk about this a bit, which is about what makes the Caribbean uh, a unique context, since this is a, a book about education for sustainable development in the Caribbean. So, what's you know, what's special or unique about the Caribbean context from the point of view of education for sustainable development? Uh,
0: do you that's that's a really,
2: really interesting. <laughs> interesting <laughs> yes, yeah. that's uh, a really interesting. What question. I could do uh, is start. And then um, sure. you could expand. I'll start sure. by sharing a story with you, Stentor. Um, when I s- used to speak a lot about ESD and sustainable development, I remember when one of my colleagues actually saying, isn't this as usual Western society trying to impose their own notions of development on us? Why should we not pursue the development that they have pursued? Why shouldn't we move to becoming an industrial industrial societies? And then, through gradual discussion, um, he began to realize that, in a way, we cannot simply imitate uh, industrialized nations because the, their industrialization has impacted negatively but there is the tension and so the the book or or text ESD in the Caribbean helps us to grapple with that kind of tension and those kinds of perspectives you know in in the Caribbean for example you know there is the, the matter of um, this new building expansion. The dream, the, the kind of American dream being <laughs> incorporated, of having more and bigger. And yet the results of that kind of living are clear as well. And so Ca- the Caribbean offers a way of looking at that kind of tension, of, of showing what development can be as against simply going after the conventional form of development. Therese, would you like to expand on that?
0: Um, I, I think, I don't know if I'll expand on that idea. I think you, you've you encapsulated it well, but I think I'll add uh, maybe one or two additional thoughts. So in addition to what Lorna indicated, the Caribbean, the, the region, it's really comprised of Small island developing states, and um, these small island developing states, and the 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 mainland countries such as you know Guyana, um, Belize, and so forth, they really have some peculiar characteristics that make sustainable development sustainability a must. Um, for instance, these are island masses, right? Where an issue such as climate change is a critical issue. Um, sea level rise affects these nations. Sea level rise affects uh, mainland countries such as Guyana. So small island developing states. You also have these countries that are really, they have a small natural resource base, yet at the same time, we're dependent on that small natural resource base for a number of our main economic activities. Tourism, agriculture, mining, and so because of issues um, such as these and you know other characteristics, we have to attend to the issue of sustainability. We have to pay attention to how we how we interact with our natural resources. Lorna mentioned biodiversity earlier as as one example. We have to take care of, you know, our our natural resources upon which we depend. Because if we don't, then, you know, there there may not be a a Caribbean, you know, decades into the future. So there are those um, particular characteristics. Um, You know, there's also this idea of locally contextualized knowledge, indigenous knowledge um, within the region that can be useful. And that can be taken account of when we're thinking about sustainability practices and so forth. So I think in addition to what Lorna said, some of these issues as well make it this unique context where ESD cannot just be, you know, transplanted from a a westernized context. But we have to think about the issues in relation to the culture, the people, the natural environment of the region.
2: I think we also have to recognize as well that though we have contributed much less to the problem we're facing in terms of like climate crisis, that the industrialized nations have been the one that are largely responsible for what is happening, that we in the Caribbean are... Most are one of the most vulnerable places. So that's why we need to pay attention to something like education, about how to educate so that we can address some of these global, uh, regional issues. I also want to make the point that um, every region, right, has to learn to how to care for and respect other and the natural environment. And because we're all involved in this as a kind of ecosystem, because we are so closely connected, related to each other, we're all in a system, then each part of this system is not only contributed contributing to a particular situation and being affected by the situation. But each part also has some kind of answer, if I may put that in quotation, some particular way of dealing with things, um, a particular solution. And therefore, as we come together and talk about these things and converse, and each person, each region brings something to the table, then we're likely to move forward as a human society, as a community of life, as Earth charter talks about it, not just human, but also the non-human life. And one of the points that Therese has often made is that the perspective of the Caribbean has often been... um, No, let me rephrase that. The perspective of the Caribbean has not always been clearly uh, made or heard or, or voiced and therefore it's important that we engage in this conversation and that the voices from the Caribbean are actually heard and that space is made at the table for Caribbean voices because in all honesty it's together that we are going to be It's together that we will be able to resolve some of the issues we face as a global community.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really great great and important point uh, that you're making there. So now to, to shift gears a little bit, um, I was interested to see that in the book that you make a connection between sustainable development and violence, including violence in schools. So could you talk about how those two things are connected?
0: Okay. Um, I, I can start off, um, Lorna, and then if you, if you feel led to add, you can. So violence is one of those... Um, Phenomena that can really derail um, and inhibit sustainable development in in a in a country in a region. Um, you know, if you think about a region such as ours, the Caribbean, where, for instance, just one example, tourism is so critical. Violence can put a stop can lower the numbers of visitors coming to the island, right? It can put a stop to um, investments being made into the island, right? Because of the the conditions in the country. Um, if you think about schools as another example, schools located in communities where there are flare-ups of violence, where there's gang violence and so forth, Those become unsafe environments where perhaps children don't feel safe journeying to school, um, where perhaps um, teachers don't feel safe journeying into school. And then think about the implications there in terms of lost teaching time, lost learning time, school closures, and so forth. So just those two examples alone, um, you know, the impact on tourism, the impact on investments, also school and, and the impacts, the negative impacts on education, show that that clear link between violence and sustainability. Um Lorna, did you want to to add anything to that?
2: Yes, let me add as well that the violence is an indication of a loss of respect for life. And in a society where people do not care for each other, it's unlikely that they're gonna care for mother nature, for the earth. And I see as well the link And our text looks at this as well, the link between treating each other with peace, with fairness, with justice, and treating the earth as well with respect. And you will see there is violence done to the earth. And so you have communities that are not given the necessary um, funding, for example, to deal with maybe something like the gullies or with garbage or how waste is managed. And as a result of that kind of disrespect to the environment, there is then, it almost, there's a kind of spillover or a connection or a link to the lack of respect for the individual. And I see the two things coming together in various ways. And then you think of the violence, not only in terms of our history, but you think of also the violence in terms of the exploitative nature of some of our trading agreements. And that then impacts on the individual as well as the rest of the society. That because of poverty, there is also this kind of carryover to a disregard for place. So it's like regard for place links up with regard for self, whether it's a local regional place or the global place. So I think that is is something as well that we need to think about, how encouraging respect for the individual will lead to respect for place. And also how respect for place will lead to, will help to develop respect for self, for the person.
0: And I, if I may, I, I don't know oh, if, sorry, I was, Lorna. if
2: I'm, <laughs> I am I, no, just saying, I don't know if the point is clear that I'm making or trying to make there. So um, Stentra, do you yeah. have a question or Therese? Would oh, you... no.
1: I, I think your point was, was very clear, but if, has uh, something to I, add before I move on.
0: Yes, please. I just want to add something as well. When we think about sustainability or sustainable development, um, very often persons immediately associate sustainability, sustainable development with economic. And so, you know, there's this that association there. But one of the things that I believe we both also want to highlight is that sustainability is also about quality of life. And if you think about communities and nations that are Im- impacted and ravaged by crime and violence, that raises questions about quality of life. How can you have, you know, quality of life if you, you're you afraid to move about, if you're afraid to just do simple errands, or if you're unable to, to get to your school and to learn. And so, There's that connection as well in terms of crime and violence detracting away from someone's quality of life and how that speaks to sustainability or lack of sustainability. So I just wanted to add that as well.
1: So I want to now get into a little more of the the nitty-gritty of how this uh, might be applied in, say, an actual classroom uh, setting. And so in the book, you talk a lot about how... Sustainable development can be infused into the teaching of other subjects, so you don't necessarily have a a separate, you know, sustainable development class, but you could incorporate it into, you know, a math lesson or a uh, literature lesson or, or something like that, and you give this framework of the, the three C's context, content, and community connection as kind of guidelines for, for how this might happen. So would you be able to kind of walk us through an example of uh, a way that you might incorporate sustainable development into uh, a lesson that would you know, follow this, this approach that you're uh, describing in the book?
2: Okay. Therese, you want me to begin? Okay. All right. Um, let's take a language lesson or or a literature lesson. One of the things I think a teacher will need to do is to look at the context. And what we meant there is that the literature lesson or the maths or the English lesson should take into account the global context of of sustainability and the sustainable development, sustainable development issues that we face. So, for example, you're teaching language and one of the issues that we have is a matter of, well, let me, there's either the thinking skills or there is a matter of um, communication and therefore the language lesson could align its purpose, its specific language purpose to the purpose of a sustainable society. So language is usually dealing with communication. And when we think about context, we're thinking about how can we communicate in ways that will help to create a society that's peaceful, that's inclusive, and that attains to the natural environment. So the teacher could look at actually merging those two purposes. So that's one particular way to think about it in terms of what's, a vi- what's a purpose, the purpose, overall objective for the language class, and looking at the big objective for ESD. And then a simple, maybe pretty straightforward way would be to bring in a material into the class that's dealing with sustainability issues. Um, you could look at problems with, with gender, with race, with peace, and look at ways in which you can teach language, not just in terms of maybe subject-verb agreement, but also how you can teach language so that students learn how to speak in ways that engender peace. A maths lesson, for example, you could look at how issues of equity. And so you are asking your students to, you're teaching your students about, you know, adding and subtraction and using data how about ensuring that the maths is applied to looking at maybe things like um, how one family budgets is against another family? What are the equity issues and working things like that out? Our book actually focuses on a particular project that was done in Sikkim, India, in creating a textbook where ESD is infused in terms of core subjects of language, maths, geography, and do you remember what's the other one? Which is the one I've left out.
0: Language, math, geography, is it? Is it science?
2: science? Yes, science. Yeah, science, the science, thank you. Right, and it sets out in pretty good detail how that can be done. Because I think we all recognize that having another subject on the curriculum, which is already packed, does not really, would not really work. But the method of ensuring that the subject you teach is aligned to the goals, the aims of a sustainable world, then In that way, our students can be introduced to some of the issues. They can develop the thinking skills that are needed. They can understand, be taught about systems. They can be taught how to actually take action to create the kind of world we want, this healthy, peaceful, and just world. Therese, would you like to add to this? I I
0: think that you gave some useful examples and some specific examples. More generally, um, you know, I could just share that when you're thinking about integrating, um, you know, different sustainability issues, different sustainability content into curricula at any level, you know, whatever subject it might be, you can think about some of the, the competencies, some of the skills that you would wish your students to develop. So, you know, you might have your students do a simple systems thinking exercise, which is something that I do with some of my graduate level students, because my my teaching takes place at the, the graduate level, where you have them think about just identify an issue. It could be waste management it could be um, water pollution whatever the issue is and have them think about those different dimensions of sustainability you know the economic the the environmental the social the governance and think about how that issue connects to those those different dimensions so that they start to see The linkages and the interlinkages, and that they're not thinking in isolated or compartmentalized components. You could have, you know, your students do undertake conflict resolution um, scenarios in a classroom. So, give them a scenario. You know, two students are fighting over over homework or over um, some money that they found on on the compound. Some scenario, and that could even be drawn from real life, and then have them dialogue and discuss and think about how they can talk their way through through the conflict to some sort of resolution so systems thinking exercises conflict resolution exercises visioning exercises if you think about climate change what sort of vision do they do they see 20 30 40 years from now and then have them think about well what do i have to do as an individual to move towards that vision. What changes do I have to make to, to what I buy, to what I eat, um, to to how I move around from place to place? So just generally speaking, these are some of the ways that we can think about incorporating um, different aspects into our teaching so that students are developing these Um, decision-making skills, the critical thinking skills, the communication skills, the problem-solving skills, the types of skills that we need our students to have so that they can address um, the different sustainability issues
2: that that exist and that affect our lives. And if I may sum that up, the frame that we use, the three Cs, kind of, Well, I think the the three C's help teachers to think about how to do this. So they think about C in terms of context and the global context and the big purpose of education for sustainable development. And then they think about the content of their subject and ensuring as well that sustainability issues are actually brought into the study in the classroom and that students become aware of the issues that they're facing. You know, whether it's the problem of the climate or it's violence, but those issues are actually brought into the classroom. So they, get, they, they have an understanding of what development tracks have the impact of the way we have been developing. And then the last C is making connections with their community and actually taking action in community to try and address some of the local regional problems that they're, that they're actually facing. So I think we've both found it useful in our own teaching to have those three pins as a way of infusing ESD into whatever subject it is that we have taught.
1: Okay. And then that kind of leads naturally, I think, into the question of if you're doing a lesson like this, how do we go about assessing students' learning? What kind of assessment uh, approaches do you think would make sense?
2: Okay. That's one area in our, in our text that I think is really very important because the literature itself generally on ESD, I think we have found that more work needs to be done in terms of the area of assessment. So often assessment drives the kind of teaching learning approaches that we use. And so often our students are taught with you know, with an eye to getting a particular grade, getting, you know, nineties and getting a hundred. And very often that the kind of assessment we're doing is still very much class, class bound, textbook bound, very much within the academic institution. And though the actual teaching and learning approaches have been, um, impelling connection with community, very often the exploration in assessment has not followed suit. So one of the things that we actually advocate for is an assessment that looks at what has been transformed. How has a student been transformed? How has a student's community been transformed? So that aspect of learning that ESD encourages and emphasizes the whole business of transforming self, transforming our community, of making strong changes in terms of you know who I am and what I do, very often that's not tested. And very often I find our pen and pencil tests limit the kind of change we want education to make. If we want a community to become more peaceful, if we want a community to address problems of waste, if we want a community to recognize what is happening in terms of sea level rise, how then do we assess to ensure that our students focus on those issues? And I think that's one of the questions. And our our text actually points out that, you know, greater research needs to be done in this area or more research rather needs to be done in this area. Um, Therese, would you like to add some more to this? I mean, we have seen some strides in assessment yet, please. (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, just to really emphasize the the points that you made, our, our culture, um, and when I say our culture, I, I'm not necessarily just speaking to the Caribbean, I'm, I'm speaking to, you know, other regional contexts as well, is very driven by the test, by the graded assignment that measures, you know, to put it to put it crudely, um, regurgitation of knowledge, memorization, and and so forth, and it's driven by you know, do I get a ninety? Can I get a ninety five? Can I get the top score in relation to others? And so it's also very competitive in nature, whereas ESD really speaks to not necessarily competitiveness but collaboration. Um, working together, community. And so we really need assessments that allow for that and facilitate that. And so those such as what Lorna mentioned in terms of, you know, the projects, the community projects, the school projects, that really necessitates that. Collaborative effort, that teamwork, that group work, so that you're not competing with one another, but you're trying to work together to make something better. And it may not succeed, right? Not everything that we do in life is a success, but the point is the effort and the trying and the taking action and the advocacy that's critical. And then another aspect of the assessment as well is that reflective component, which allows students to to think and to interrogate and to look within. Um, and so we also want to see more of that, and our assessment moving towards that. So I think that that's really just what I would add in relation to to what Lorna said. And as she said, it is you know a, a relatively It is an area that needs more research, more exploration to see how others are engaging with assessment when it comes to sustainability um, and, and how we can, you know, transform this area as well in education.
1: Okay, so as we're moving towards the end of our time here, I wanted to give you each an opportunity to give a a shout-out or a thank you to anyone whose help was important to you as you were writing this book.
2: Do you want to go first,
0: Lorna? Yes, there are so
2: many. (laughs) There are so many people, but clearly, um, this School of Education staff, yeah, have helped tremendously in terms of the work we've been doing with them. You know, I think like of people like Marceline Collins-Figueroa, I think of people like Zelene Jennings-Craig, a former director. I also want to thank as well um, or yeah, people like Rosalind McEwan and Charles Hopkins from the International Network of Teacher Educators They have helped tremendously. And I think about colleagues who help us to think through some of the questions we have raised and the teachers in the field. I think of like um, a colleague who is in the secondary system. Like I've worked mainly in higher education, but I think of a teacher in the secondary system who has allowed me to observe her classes and to and, and see how, it, how she has tried out things in her classroom like Thelma Baker. And of course, um, definitely, definitely want to shout out my family, like Mervyn and Keisha Ann and Alicia. And, and just to say those people have contributed tremendously to the work that we have been doing in education for sustainable development
0: and so Lorna is, mentioned <laughs> yes Lorna mentioned there's always a danger in this question I know um, there Lorna is. mentioned <laughs> the the staff of the School of Education and I think we also want to specifically thank as well the ESD working group this was something that you know, was in existence during Lorna's time comprised of stalwart members. And then um, now during my time with some of those same stalwart members, including some new members of staff. So they have been phenomenal um, to work with and to engage with. Um, want to thank the research participants, um, for instance, those who shared their climate Change narratives with us. Um, those who participated in the the qualitative and quantitative research, as well as our research assistant um, Tanisha Gordon, who who was uh, an amazing help with some of the the research that we undertook. Of course, our publisher. They have yes. been Thank the University yes. of the West Indies. parents they have. been <laughs> They have been amazing, absolutely amazing. And as and Lorna said, yeah. yes, yes. And as Lorna thanked, you know, her family members, my family as well, my husband, um, Lauren, my my parents, they have been. Wonderful. Um, so, I I hope that we have not left out anyone. But I mean, we've really had tremendous support from different individuals as we embarked on on this collaborative effort and this project.
1: Yeah, a book is always such a so much bigger of an undertaking <laughs> than just the authors whose name goes on the front cover. Absolutely. Um, So now we've reached our traditional final question, which is, what are you working on next?
0: (laughs) Well, (laughs) um, from my end, uh, really just continuing with the research um, and the publication. So a colleague and I um, here in the School of Education, we're working on a special issue of the journal Environmental Education Research and the the thematic focus is environmental and sustainability education in the Caribbean. So there are a number of individuals who have carried out research in the region who are contributing articles on, you know, religion and ESD, ESD and, and literature, curriculum, environmental literacy and more. I am also continuing. With research on peacemaking and violence prevention um, in relation to the program change from within which as I had indicated earlier looks at um, violence prevention and conflict resolution in schools and Lorna is actually one of the the individuals who is on our on the program management team so a lot of exciting things, and of course the the normal, the teaching, and and so forth. So that's really what what I will be working on. And um,
2: as Therese has said, um, I continue to support the work, but they change from within program. I mean, Therese is the pro- program lead, and so we will be looking some more at researching violence and peace in schools and the way schools are addressing that. And in addition to that, I continue to do my online work in ESD at the Earth Charter Center. And I'm particularly interested in seeing how people from different regions of the world are addressing education for sustainable development you know, the kinds of projects that are that are happening and the kinds of impact that's taking place around the world. So that's that's my bit. <laughs> Stentorn.
1: Yeah. All right. Well that all that all sounds really exciting. Uh, so thank you both so much for coming on the show.
2: And thank you very much for having us. It's been a real pleasure and a great opportunity to talk about our book.
0: Thank Thank you. you. Thank you so much.
1: You just heard a conversation with Lorna Down and Therese Ferguson, authors of Education for Sustainable Development in the Caribbean, Pedagogy, Practices, and Practices, published this year by University of West Indies Press.